the real money is made in how you operate a property, how you increase the value of that property through operations. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, I'm excited to have Arlene Garza. Arlene, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you, Todd. How's your day going? Oh, it's fantastic. Every every day is a blessing. So um, Arlene is with uh, Real Estate Equity Partners, or REAP. It was founded in uh, 2012 by Jacob and Arlene Garza, who share over 20 years of real estate experience. The firm is focused on acquiring underperforming, income-producing, multifamily investment opportunities in Texas. And um, from the, with that said, Arlene, why don't you give our listeners a bit more about your background, about why you formed the company and what you guys are focusing on today? Great. Thank you so much for having me on, Todd. Uh, to share a little bit about my background, um, I grew up in a small town in the western part of Texas. Uh, so I've lived in Texas my entire life. I had uh, moved to from the small town to a bigger town, Lubbock, Texas, where I obtained my degree in finance um, and then was recruited by a bank. Uh, so I entered the banking industry where I remained for 20 years. And the nice thing about that, I like to say, is that corporate America does give you some excellent training. So while I was with uh, the banks, um, there were two, actually three due to mergers, but I was able to uh, develop a career in lending, uh, banking center management, uh, HR, and um, also managed a marketing team nationwide. So I say all of that because I've been able to use all of those skills in our real estate business. So great, great experience, and I'm very thankful for having had that experience. So fast forward to our first real estate transaction uh, was uh, 10 years ago in April of 2012. We bought a, a small 24-unit property in San Antonio. Now, we moved from Dallas to San Antonio a few years before. Uh, my husband had a property management software company in the Dallas area that he sold. And because of that, he had seen the back end of what owners were doing on the multifamily side. And so when we moved to San Antonio, he immediately said, let's let's buy multifamily. And being the conservative banker that I am, I said, oh, hold on a minute. I don't know <laughs> anything about this. I really need yeah. to understand it. I need to get a handle on the numbers because I'm a numbers person. So. We did uh, some, we joined some real estate groups, which I highly recommend, uh, joined some networking groups, joined some educational groups that provide both. And we even uh, became certified through the National Apartment Association as certified apartment managers and certified apartment portfolio supervisors. So did you, were you that, managing other people's portfolios then, or was that just to have in kind of in-house? No, it was all so that we could manage in-house. And Got so it. we did. Uh, we did everything on that first property and then bought one around the corner uh, from that one so that we could hire a manager part-time. 
and then we bought a little bigger 88 unit and then we bought 143 unit and at that point uh, we joined a different real estate group and the mentor recommended that we try third-party management a lot of that was because we were so busy in yeah. running these properties that we didn't have a lot of time to grow um, or didn't make time to grow. I think you can do both, but at the time we were wanting to make sure our properties did well. So we put a lot of effort into that. So we did in 2015, we turned our properties over to a third party management company and worked with actually two different companies uh, in that period of time. And then in March of 2017, we were a little over a thousand units and we had been advised that a thousand units is kind of that benchmark when you start looking at uh, if you choose to bring your management in-house. And so we did. Uh, we brought it back in-house. We onboarded all, all the properties and uh, started hiring. I think that's key, who you hire, right? And so yeah. we, we started building our team. And fast forward to today, uh, we've acquired over 3,500 units, about 420 million in assets, and have deployed about I don't know, 13 million in rehab projects, and have raised about 100 million in equity. So all of that, you know, happened in that span of 10 years. Could it have gone faster? I think it could have. Uh, when I see what Always. people are doing today, right, right. When people, I see what people are doing, I think. Wow, where, where could we have been? But I really think things come to you when you're ready for them. Yeah. And we grew at the pace we were comfortable and we call it measured growth. Um, it was strategic. We didn't want to uh, over promise to our investors and we wanted to deliver good results. So in this time, we've taken eight properties full cycle. And I think that's important. Uh, I know you're you're very aware of track record and reputation makes a huge difference. So yeah. taking those eight properties full cycle, we've got a very strong network of investors that uh, are repeat. I think our last deal we had 80% of the investment was from repeat investors. So that makes us happy because that means we're keeping people happy. So yep. yeah, absolutely. a long winded background. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. I love that you went into some details. And I got some questions for it. And I've got actually even a comment on it. You you mentioned you look around and watch some of these people and you go, like, we could, maybe we, we could have done differently or we could have potentially gone faster. But one of the things you got to be careful with is what are these people actually doing? And are they going to be profitable in the future? And so I, I don't know the inner workings of your business, but just by the approach you took and, and go moving slow, I would say you're maybe positioned pretty well to withstand um, some rocky times. And I think others uh, are positioned maybe not quite as well to, and, and they might be the ones that you're talking about that have grown uh, very quickly, very fast that we look at and we go, holy cow, what did they, I can't believe this company. And also, did they really own it all? Or did they only own a teeny, tiny, teeny, tiny little bit? You know, that's the other side of the coin too. Yeah, it, that's, it's an interesting comment because I always try not to compare, right? You try yeah. not to compare yourself to others because you don't know all the details uh, behind their numbers. And somebody once told us, don't 
go by unit count. Go by quality of what you're buying mm, and so what you're able so to powerful. produce. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think to your point, that's exactly right. You know, focus on what you're able to do. And the management company that we formed in 2017, we don't third-party manage yet. We might in the future, but it's a lot of work. And yeah. I don't think people understand that as much unless you're in the business. Uh, but we did it because we wanted to control what happens every day on our properties. And we learned that from the third party side. You know, you got your reports a month after things happened. You can't really impact them. So, and, and you're trying to tell them over the phone exactly what your vision is, exactly what you want to happen, or maybe even at the property. But they're ultimately the ones in charge. And sometimes it works extremely well when you have the right property management company and the right personalities and, and the, the, they have. A, but I think it requires a similar vision as you too. It requires a specific personality. And that's one thing I tell people as you're looking for property management, what do you look for in a property management company? I look for personality. I want to be working with a property management company that kind of has a lot of the same goals and this, a lot of this, the kind of the kind of their mission, their beliefs of what we believe in. They believe in a lot of the same things or almost all of the same things. Cause if we're, if our mindsets are different, it's just going to be kind of that, that battle all the time and likely going to end up in firing them or being just disappointed in what you're getting. I agree completely. I just did a, uh, um, presentation over zoom to a women's uh, mastermind group and you know they asked about the pros and cons of third party versus you know managing yourself and you know from that my my uh, uh, response to them was everything that I have as a pro uh, in my list of pros and cons find a way how you can do the same thing through asset managing even if you're working with third party you are the asset manager find a way to, to deliver these same things. And it's, it's things that you talk about, your vision. The day we close a property, we show up, our, if we're rebranding, our signs are installed that day. Yeah. Our brochures are done. Our team has been hired two weeks in advance. They've been trained, their uniforms are ready. You know, so, but the most important thing that happens day one is the president of our management company and the regional for that area have a, a really deep conversation with the on-site team about our vision. Yeah, that's this so is powerful. Our vision for this property and this is how they, you know, can be part of that vision. Yep. The most energy you are going to have on an acquisition is day one. Everybody's excited. So we want to take advantage of that and be able to share the vision, the business plan, everything that needs to happen with that property to get it from where it is today to where we want it to be in you know three to five years. Yeah, I'm really glad you you mentioned that. I think that's so so important. You know, as as the listeners are here, you know whether you're going to manage the properties yourselves or if you're going to hire a third party property manager, you have to make sure the vision is aligned. So whether it's, it, maybe it's you, maybe it's somebody on your team, but they need to get on site as quickly as possible. Day of closing, day after closing, week of close, you know, what? I, but quickly, they need to get on site. They need to do exactly what Arlene just said. They need to have those conversations 
And if they don't, how do you expect the visions to be aligned? If we don't have that in-depth conversation with the, the, the key members of the team, the only person you can blame when things go off the rails is yourself. That's the only, well, quite frankly, that's always the only person you can blame, but it's going to be your fault because you didn't sit down and have those conversations that Arlie mentioned with those people to make sure the visions are aligned, to make sure we all know what to expect. We all know what the expectations are um, and, and how to be successful. Yes, you're exactly right. And, and we put a lot of emphasis on that. And we show up with champagne. You know, I Perfect. we want the team engaged day one. They want it. We are big on our culture and having fun while you're at work, you yeah. know, taking it seriously, but having fun. So the teams all know it's closing day. Get ready for the fun and the champagne <laughs> and the hard work. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. The hard work, but let's celebrate a little bit now. We're excited. We got something. We're going to have a lot of hard work. We certainly are. We're going to have days yeah. where we just don't want to show up. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, if we're all working towards the same goal, though, it's just so much easier to be excited, to get excited. And then when those hard days do come, we can we can see beyond them because we actually know what we're looking for, right? If you don't know what you're looking at or where you're going, you're not excited. Like, it just feels like an eternity. I agree. And, you know, you, you mentioned hard days. When COVID started, I'm sure you were just like, you know, we were – you didn't know what to expect, right? Yeah. The future looked so uncertain. And so we met with our team and we said, how do we do this? How do we succeed in this environment? Yeah. And so we took the approach of training our team to do business differently. Luckily, we had all our leases online the year before. We had, you know, all of our leasing process online the year before. So that piece was taken care of. It was just the question of, how do you go into people's units to take care of their work orders, mm -hmm. right? So our team was trained on how to do that safely. And as a result, I mean, 95% of our competitors closed their doors, right? You could reach them by phone, but you couldn't go into any of the, the properties. And so we took advantage of that. I mean, our NOI grew in that first six months, 10% yeah, awesome. during COVID. and mm -hmm we had zero work orders because we continued to provide service to our residents because that was top of mind and so those are the things where you know when your occupancy grows when everybody else is closed right everybody else wouldn't be able to see anybody we were open so our occupancy grew across the portfolio and we learned that even in times of you know challenge um you got to sit down and plan how do we attack this issue? How do we attack what's before us in the best way possible? And I'm amazed at how you bring in your team and they have the best ideas. You know, we, we sit, you know, in our office or wherever we may be, but the teams on site know exactly what to do. And they come with such great, you know, ideas that I, I just say, open, open up, you know, to, to them and you'd be amazed at what they, they will share with you. Yeah. Look, there's, there's, COVID was was uh, definitely an interesting time, a time and challenge. It went by very, very quickly, uh, at least the, the extremely challenging times. But a recession will hit sometime. Another challenging time will hit at some time. And if you're not preparing 
not only preparing for it now, but if you're not willing to sit down and ask those hard questions and how you can move forward, like you said, you're not going to be successful and you're going to be closing the doors. You're going to be losing NOI. But if you take Arlene's approach, you gain NOI, 10% NOI growth during a time where most people were losing money. Um, that's, that's amazing. And I love also what you said uh, about the staff and asking them what the solution is. You have to empower people. And it sounds like you guys are doing a great job of empowering the people that are working for you and allowing them to tell you what's best, um, which in my opinion is that's, that's an amazing, you get amazing results when you start to do that. I agree. And I think, you know, you mentioned recession, everyone's kind of preparing or in their yeah, mind. The R word is on people's uh, minds right now. Right. And, you know, what I, I like to say is if you've underwritten conservatively, mm. you will be fine. You'll be fine. Right? If you've been super aggressive, then I would be looking at today, you know, what does that pro forma budget look like two years from now yeah. or three years from now? And is it achievable even if you don't have the, you know, huge rent growth? I mean, our portfolio, we've had 15 to 18, as high as 20% rent growth in some of our markets, but that isn't sustainable. That's in right. Region, right. That's right. So, so, but what we underwrote was 3% growth. I mean, we get that organically just from our renewals. So, so we, we sleep very well knowing that now the market may look totally different, right? We've all enjoyed that, you know, the compression of cap rates and what that's you know, resulted in when we sell properties, but, you know, there's always a balance and the market lags a little bit. So again, take care of what you can control and, and stay informed. I spend an hour at least every morning combing through all the latest data from the various brokerage houses or the Fed or, you know, whatever I, I can get my hands on. And then I summarize it and send it to my acquisitions team because mm. they may not have read that. Right. So why waste what I just learned? And so I share it with them to stay on top of what, you know, the market is saying. About what a great idea. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, you know, it, it, it's funny because I've been doing this podcast since 2017. We, I've talked to a lot of people, um, done, a, done a lot of interviews. And this question, the, the, the talk of the R word has came up since 2017, since I started the podcast. And there's been that talk of, well, we're probably coming into a recession soon. Soon we'll be in a recession. And it hasn't came, but it certainly will come. And it's soon, whether that means it's two months or whether that means it's two years or whether that means it's 10 years, it's soon. It's going to happen what what are you guys doing what what is your company doing right now are you focused on buying are you focused on just managing the current properties or are you are you selling or a little bit of both what what are you guys doing right now we're doing a little bit of both uh we are buying i think now is still a great time to buy i look back on when we started and there always will be these projections and predictions of when's the bubble going to burst and when is this going to happen and i think you've got to rely on the the market data you have and and again be conservative every time be conservative uh but 
we still believe there's great opportunities. Again, if you buy, there have been several properties where we put them under contract. By the time we closed, they were already hitting our pro forma rents. Yep. Yep. Now, would that go on indefinitely? No, it won't. So right. I think you have to pivot and and adjust to what the market is telling you. In our case, you know, the we love the bonus depreciation from investing in multifamily real estate. Well, that is 100% through this year and then declines to 80% and then 60 and then 40 and 20. So when you factor in some of that, the gain that our investors and we have from, from even that component, there's still great reasons. I mean, yeah. supply demand in our markets where we have properties, there is a supply demand imbalance. There's more demand because Texas is growing. We have a huge influx of people coming from the West and the North. And so that just means opportunity from the standpoint of if there are less units and more people that want them, your pricing can get a little better and a lot more aggressive than maybe you had put into your pro forma. So we're buying, we're selling. Now what we're selling are some of our older assets, things that we bought, you know, three or four years ago. And the reason we're selling them is because we always go in, we inject nice capital into making them look really great. Well, we all know that after about four or five years, you have to repaint, you have to redo some of the stuff. And so we are selling some of the assets where it's time for that process to happen again. And we don't want to inject that capital. A new buyer can come in, start fresh with their vision, and continue to do well with those properties because historically they've done well, they've performed well. And so selling makes sense for us and buying them makes really good sense for someone else because there's a proven track record of what yep. those properties can do. So we're doing we're doing both, buying and selling. And I'll add to that that we strongly believe in the next, you know, five to seven years, call it, operations will make the biggest difference. We've all been able to buy well, right? You buy well because of where pricing was two or three years ago. But the real money is made in how you operate a property, how you increase the value of that property through operations. And so we are extremely focused on beefing up our team. We have invested uh, our own capital in, in talent, in hiring the right talent, in growing our talent so that we are ready. You know, we're, we, we doubled in size last year and our, we got pretty hefty goals this year, 10 to 12 acquisitions. We did eight last year. Um, with that, we sat down in January, we had a leadership team meeting and we had every department look at every process they have. And we, we challenged them to figure out a way to be more efficient in mm. delivering the same processes. And by the same token, we said, we don't expect you to do more with less. So let's look at what are the key positions we need in each department? And what time of the year do we need to be recruiting for those? So when we started, you know, February, we already had that mapped out. And our team knows that we're marching through that and. It's just amazing to see what they've been able to do in terms of increasing efficiencies. And that's primarily the corporate team, our regional managers. We have capital projects managers in both San Antonio and Houston, whose goal is to, to you know, do complete the rehab um, 
on time and under budget because that rehab is what's going to generate those higher rents. So yep. Yep. time is of the essence with the that. You gotta velo get those velocity. Yeah. You need to yes. have the, we, we just, it's funny. I just had an asset management meeting the, the, this morning and that's exactly what we talked about. We were talking about some of the renovations that we're doing and some of the contractors that we're using it or, or planning on using. And that was some of my questions asking is, well, what capacity can they handle? Because, for me, it's not necessarily how much it costs, but how quickly can you get it done? I mean, certainly we we want it to not cost us a ton of money, but I would rather pay a little bit more and get a, get more service quicker, right? Get yeah. it done faster. I'm okay with going a little bit over budget if I need to, if I know the velocity is going to be there. Because you, you said, once we get those units done, now we can rent them at our performer or maybe even above our performer rents uh, exactly it right. really makes a big difference. Yeah. And you know, one of the questions people ask us is, have you had supply chain issues? Have you had issues getting, you know, your materials to do your rehabs? We haven't. Now, hmm. a lot of that is because we focused with the vendors that became a core group of vendors. So they knew we would go to them. But in addition, we brought in some additional folks so that if these were maxed out, you know, our core group was maxed out, uh, we had a, a second group to fall upon. And what we told our vendors is, you won't wait for 30 days to get your payment. We're gonna pay you in 10, max 15. So when we call them, we're at the top of the list because they know they're gonna get paid sooner than they would from some of their other clients. And so that's made a huge difference for us in getting our materials, our services, everything we need from our vendors. Love it, love it, that's great. Um, <clears throat> what's, what's one success tip, success habit, or maybe a couple uh, that you have that you can pass on to our listeners? Something that really you feel like helps you, your company really succeed? I'm going to break that up into the first one is personal. Uh, I like to pray and meditate every morning. Mm. That helps me get really centered. It gets me really able to really um, have a clear mind. Yeah. And so when I come out of that, you know, it's immediately there's all these ideas that rush at me. <laughs> and so I keep a notebook and I write them down. Because if I don't, I'll forget them. And that time that I just dedicated to prayer and meditation was for no good other than made me feel great. But that rush of ideas is super fantastic. So something that I do personally actually helps me on the business side yeah. to be able to, to grab those, those new ideas. I think the second one that I would say is probably more directly business is meeting with my team daily. Now, my, I, I head up acquisitions. My husband oversees the management side. And so every day we're meeting before the day kicks off. If they're not all in the office, we do it by phone. We do it by Zoom. But they understand what are our goals for that week? What are we you know, trying to submit offers on? What offers are pending? You know, what are the, have, you know, are there lender discussions that need to happen? Do we need to pick a lender? Uh, where is, has DD been scheduled? Those are the things that we, you know, sit and map out. And I've got, you know, behind me a, a, a big, you know, dry erase board 
that I keep for myself. The rest of my team has spreadsheets that they keep things on, but those are, and I put it in red. I, I'm gonna move the camera a little bit so you can see. I put it in red so that it stands out to me. And any of my team members that come in, they get a reminder of what's at the top <laughs> of my priority list, right? Yeah. All in a good way when we have yeah. a lot of fun. But, but meeting with the team, huddling with the team on Monday, and then I try to do it again on Friday just to see how everybody's week um, went and that pays huge dividends. Yeah. I, yeah, that for, for sure. You've got, when everybody has to be on the same page, right? We, we kind of already talked about that. If, if you're not on the same page, if you're not have, going for the same thing, it's just not going to, it's just not a recipe for success. That's for sure. You're exactly right. Um, <clears throat> you know, you started managing, you headed over to the third party. You took management back over. Would you have given up, knowing what you know now, would you have given up the management in that period of time? Or, and I guess the same question, or same, same uh, you know, instances, would, would you, knowing what you know now, would you have stayed third party? Okay, so I'll answer those. Um, would I have given it up? No. I think we would have kept them in-house. We probably would have hired more people faster. Mm. Um, but we It's so hard point. to hire people quickly, isn't it? it, it is. you, you always are worried about that bottom line and thinking, well, we can't afford, you know, we can't afford to hire this person because we're just not making that much money. But in reality, you'll probably start making a lot more money. You will. You're investing in talent, right? You're yeah. investing in people that can get the things done that you may not have time to do. That's a key word too. You're yeah. investing. It's an, that's yeah. an investment. So, you know, listeners, look, if you're hiring somebody, that's an investment. I mean, there's wasteful hiring too, but for the most part, you're hiring too slow. It's an investment into your future. I agree. And, you know, we, there are asset management fees that we take on our, on our properties. We used a lot of that in the beginning to hire these folks. So it was yeah. our money. You know, would have gone into our our bank account had we yeah. not um, turned around and, and paid for people's salaries. But it, it paid off. And I would say we would not have given it up. Um, we would have just hired the right people and, and made the team bigger in the beginning. Um, right. Third party, there are some great third party companies out there. There really are. I think it comes down to who is managing your property and who mm. is the regional manager managing them what is their focus what is their goal are they so overtaxed with their time that they don't have time to devote to your properties i mean that's yeah. one of the things i would want to understand but but for us it's a lot of work i mean we have right now after we've um, sold some assets have 2500 units under management multiply that by two or three people living in, in each one of those units right that's who we're responsible plus a hundred employees. Mm -hmm. So, you know, is it easier to hand it off to someone? Probably, but not with the way I look at things because even when we were using third party, I was coming through the GL, the general ledgers. I, I would send them an email, you know, every, the end of every month saying, who is this guy that you paid salary to? I don't remember them ever being at my property or 
what is this $6,500 for pool furniture? Yeah. My property doesn't have new pool furniture. And so we don't then, even have a pool. <laughs> right? So then, you know, when you hear, oh, I'm sorry, that was for another property. It shouldn't have been charged yeah. to you. So, you know, I think third party can be a very great tool if you don't want to manage your own. But the asset management side of your your process has to get beefed up, I yep. think. I agree. So that you can catch those things and so that your asset management team is that go between between you as the owner and the management company. Yep. I agree hundred percent. It's it's and those are you know, if you're listening, you're going, Well, that's probably that just doesn't happen very often. Yeah, it does. It does. Like the the pool equipment on the property we're like, hey, I don't even have a pool. What's going on here? That that happens. And mm -hmm. What's this charge? Oh, sorry. Yeah, we meant to charge that back. We charged it the wrong property in accident. And you know, we'll get that taken care of. It surprisingly happens. It happens a surprising amount of times. Yeah. Um, and so if you're not paying attention, that might not ever come back to you. And so there goes $6,500. There goes $2,500. There goes $1,200. And all of a sudden it starts to add up. Yeah. And, and I, I I think most of it's yeah. not malicious either, right? It's not. It's yeah. not. If you think about how many transactions these companies are running yeah. through their accounts payable system, it's it's huge. It's a lot. So right. it's not malicious. I will say it is not malicious in any way. But if you're not watching for those things in certain categories on your on your financials, you should be able to glance at a T12 and see where there are blips, right? Zoom in on those and you yeah. get a pretty good idea you don't have to come through every single general ledger uh, but if you look at your financials you know uh, pretty closely you'll be able to see where there are in inconsistencies that you can then ask more questions about but again i think the key your third party you know company working with a third party company is take all those things that are irritants or things that you are concerned about and figure out how do i solve for that through asset management hmm. what are the questions yeah. i need to be asking what are the processes i need to put in place on my side to understand yeah. it and, great advice yeah and and it's can be great yeah if you've got that all lined out love it what's a mistake that you your company what's a mistake that you've made and how can you teach like uh, how can you pass down the lesson to our investors what do you learn from it Okay, well, one of our first big lessons was we bought a property with a chiller, which there are great properties with chillers. Mm -hmm. uh, let me just say that. Mm -hmm. And we had a mentor advising us who had never owned a property with a chiller, mm -hmm. right? And we didn't know the questions to ask. So the cooling tower was new, which is the part that cools the water that runs through the pipes that provides AC to the units. The furnace was a little older, but it had been inspected and it was in great shape. So we thought, hey, they're in great shape. Well, what we didn't know is that all that water runs through these pipes that go under the buildings, up through the walls and into each unit. Well, when you have water, you will have leaks. So what we found over time was that one, we were not only the electric company because it was master metered, we were also the water company. 
So what we built into our pro forma was a capture rate of rubs, right? Utility billing. Yep. That was call it 82%. Well, in this type of property, your capture rate's going to be lower because when people leave, they not only owe you your rent, but they owe you all the electric and all the water. So we didn't account for that in our underwriting. We didn't know to account for it in our underwriting. So that's one, one piece of it. The second one is your expenses for repairing those yes. units are a lot more. And yeah. not only do you have the unit, you sometimes have to hire specialized people to fix. You're, sometimes your maintenance people can't fix it. But the water that leaked out, you have to have a sheetrock repair in addition to your HVAC repair. Um, so the cost to make those repairs was double what we had projected because we weren't counting on all of that. And then the third piece is where there is water, there are pests, right? So you have more roaches, more water bugs. And so residents are upset and we're saying, well, it's the water what you know we're spraying every month we're spraying every unit every month yeah um but that created some some issues with the residents and the second complaint from residents was when in texas you wake up and it's call it 60 degrees in the morning by afternoon you're at 85. well the system required a two-hour window to switch over from heat to cold cold heat and residents didn't understand that when they turned their thermostat there was a delay we, we communicated it but it still creates issues where they think we just don't want to we didn't want to provide them with you know heating and cooling heat which and cool. was not the case so so it was a huge lesson now we didn't lose any money we didn't make the kind of money we had projected because for all the reasons that i've spoken yeah. about so that was a a, a probably the biggest mistake in that we didn't have somebody that had had experience with that type of property tell us what the numbers would look like on those particular things the expense side and the income capture side so yeah a big lesson we learned and i guess we've shied away we've never bought another property with you, that you but, but if we did we'd not we'd know how to underwrite it yeah i mean i understand that's so important right understanding what you're getting yourself into. You, you bought a property with a chiller. You had no, you really had no clue what that was going to look like and you move forward and it, luckily it ended up working out. Okay. But um, really understand what you're getting yourself into and in any aspect of the property, if you understand it, you're going to be a lot better off in the end and probably could have avoided some of the headaches. You know, obviously the cost still would have been there. Um, associated with, or most of the costs would have been there, but you would have actually understood what those were and you would have understood the problems coming into it. And that would have avoided a lot of the headaches. I, I completely. And that's where I think finding somebody that you can call your mentor or is a mentor that you pay, whichever way you choose to do it. Yeah. I wouldn't do this without having that guidance in the beginning. Yeah. Because you're take you're putting not only your own money at risk, but you're putting investor dollars at risk, and Absolutely. your own reputation. So yeah. I would say, ask around. I mean, the great thing is now with Facebook and all the different groups that we all belong to, you could put a pop. You can find somebody quick. There. 
Yeah. yeah. And people will answer you. And some of them, you know, I only think I caution is make sure they have direct experience. Yeah. Make sure they know what they're doing. They're, yeah, yeah. They're not just saying, well, I very have true. a friend who, you know, no, make sure that experience is direct. Yeah. Very, very true there. Cause there's a lot of people that like to answer questions, but have no clue what they're answering. Um, Love it. So far, I mean, this is this has been amazing. You've, you've given so much awesome information, Arlene. I got a couple of last questions for you, and then we're, we're going to wrap. Um, so what's a favorite book that you can recommend to our listeners? Real estate, business, whatever. Um, there Actually, it's an old book, and it's How to Read a Rent Row. Hmm. And I don't have the title or whatever. I, I'll look it up, and I'll, I'll, I'll uh, email you. Todd, so that if you want yeah. to share it later, but, but it's how to read a rent roll, because if you think about what you're buying at a property is you're buying the income stream. Yep. And if you understand what's in that rent roll, then that helps you understand whether it truly is the income stream that you are paying yeah. for. Yeah. So true. Cool. Yeah. Send, send it over. I'd love to put that in the show notes for the listeners. <laughs> Um, okay. So last question, then we're going to wrap. What are your three pillars of wealth creation? Okay. Well, I'm going to say by a constant focus on education, and I don't just mean going to a hundred different seminars and all of that. I I mean, again, get on list for key brokerage houses, key groups that provide data on the market, Hmm. carve out time in your day to read up on all of that if there's something you don't understand or if you there's a new underwriting model or you not happy with yours those are the things you can zoom in on um, to to get better at your craft i think the second one is to network network more than you think you network um, that you need to network and find groups uh, real estate groups where you can talk to like-minded people you're going to learn a lot and you're going to meet a lot of people that can potentially partner with you or invest with you. So yeah. networking is huge. And I think the third one is just invest in multifamily real estate. Love it. I mean, that is, I, I was in banking. I used to advise people on investments. And when my own broker told me six years ago, I can't duplicate your returns on your real estate all i can offer you is diversification so is there a place for stocks and bonds absolutely but i like real estate because it's a hard asset and i know how it's valued it is valued strictly on the income it generates that's easy for me to understand and there's no one else that can influence that so i like that yeah i love it too it's safe it's predictable and it's got pretty good returns. Oh, yeah. Yeah, love it. Well, look, Arlene, it's been a blast having you on. Like I said, you've provided a ton of great information uh, to our audience. How can they get in touch with you, learn more about what you guys are doing and and reach out? Great. They can go to our website, reapequity.com, and that's spelled R-E-E-P, equity.com. And there is a button on there. You click invest at Reap Equity. Dot com And then you'll get an email immediately from our investor relations manager and she will set up a call with me or with anyone that you want to speak to at our company. Great. Awesome. We'll put that in the show notes. Arlene, you have a fantastic rest of the day. Thank you so much.
Same to you, Todd. Thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. It's a rating and review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com and download our free ebook on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and also look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like, uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go up to coachwithdex.com and check that out. And, uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.